Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. We interview women in the sports and entertainment businesses to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the top faster. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. Let's bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join us week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Taylor Strick has been with Aon for six years and currently leads strategic direction and global partnerships for all things PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, the Ryder Cup of which Aon is a global partner. Taylor knows the ins and outs of Aon's sports partnership platform and will dive into the strategic thinking behind their various endeavors. Additionally, Taylor was with Aon when they launched the Risk Reward Challenge in 2019, so she will speak to its creation, growth, and future direction. The Risk Reward Challenge provides a $1 million prize for both men and women on the PGA and LPGA Tour. Prior to Aon, Taylor spent time in the marketing department for both the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Lightning. She lives in Golden, Colorado, and is passionate about education and a mom to a two-year-old daughter. Taylor has so much to share and teach us in this conversation, so let's not wait another minute. Let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Taylor Strick. She is Aon's global partnership leader, and we're so thrilled to have you on the show today. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Hello. Hey, Emily. Great to see you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, super excited to just to chat with you today. As you know, you mentioned at the top, Taylor Strick. I've been Aon, with Aon for the past six or so years, always in kind of a partnership um, partnership role. And it's, you know, it's it's been it's definitely been a journey. I feel like my career has has always kind of firmly been in and around sports. And as you think about sports, there's in my mind, there's kind of five areas of, of expertise or specialists, right? Like you can be league side, you can be team side, um, media agency or client side. And so I've done, you know, brief stints in some of those other ones. And this is my first, you know, real, real path, I guess, through to the, to the client side, which I'm absolutely loving. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about your current role and some of the incredible programs that you're working on with Aon and the PGA and LPGA, but first let's dig into your start. So you got your start in Tampa, both in undergrad and grad school. Tell us why you went to grad school and how how did that impact your career? Yeah, I mean, Tampa Tampa's always been kind of my hometown. Um, I grew up just outside of Tampa, went to college um, at the University of Tampa, and then decided to, to stick around and, and go to grad school and get my MBA. Um, best decision I ever made, really. And 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 I, I made it because I just, I'm one of these people, I just love learning. I think continuing education was always something that I wanted to do. And frankly, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever stop. I, I kind of, I got two more, I guess, certifications last year. And so it's something that just, you know, it inspires me to continue to kind of stretch yourself and learn different things and hear from other people and gain different points of view. I, I just feel like is an absolutely invaluable kind of skill set as you continue to grow um, as a professional. And it's fun for me. I know I've realized, you know, school isn't um, isn't a lot of people's you know favorite thing or priority, but I do I do like it. And so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't do it for the letters you get to put behind your name or the degrees you get to put on the wall, which is a fabulous perk and a lot of fun. But, you know, for me, it's, it's more about that experience and, um, you know, just 
just gaining additional knowledge. I don't think in any of my, my roles that I've had, you know, that, um, kind of additional experience has been required, but gosh, it hasn't hurt. And I think I'm just a smarter, more well-rounded person because of some of the choices that I made along the way. Yeah. You know, Harvard business review put out a study a couple of years ago about curiosity and about the curiosity or the, the skill of curiosity being one of the number one indicators of success. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, where you've gotten to today, you've been curious about learning and done it in a formal way. Um, as you explained, created a more well-rounded executive who has these different points of view that you're not really getting when you're, you're not curious or you're not exposed to education. Yeah, I, I, that totally makes sense. I think, you know, I, I read a study once that was even saying, you know, it's so important to just your brain obviously isn't, uh, it's a, not a muscle, it's an organ, but it's important to continue to work it and doing small things, you know, throughout the day, even if it's, you know, take a different route when you're driving to pick up your kids or you're driving to the grocery store because you're, you know, your brain gets used to certain things. And so if you can, you know, challenge yourself to even break outside of your comfort comfort zone in some of the most simple ways, it can be, it can be really useful kind of long-term and just, you know, continue to, to, to force yourself to stretch and to build some different muscle and some capabilities that you didn't have before. Yeah. So speaking of learning and the foundation of your career, you got your start working with the Tampa Bay Lightning and later the Bucks. What did you learn from your first jobs that serve you today? And what are your favorite memories from each team? So, I mean, so much. So when I was, um, when I was in college, I got an internship with the Lightning and I feel like that was my, it was kind of my introduction to the industry. It was really where you know, it's, it sparked that, that passion for being in sports and working in sports. I mean, when you're an intern, you wear a lot of different hats. And so I was doing tons of different organizations, you know, things for the organization, but most, most, most of all kind of on the partnership side. So interacting with clients and helping them build their activations and, you know, helping the team kind of build a strategy for how they wanted to bring some of these partnerships to life. Working game days was, was a lot of fun. I feel like my my favorite memory from from the Lightning. I actually we were short staffed one one game, and we had a partnership activation where it was Mr. Empanada, I think, and there was an actual Empanada that would skate onto the ice, and they were like Taylor, you have to do this because there's no one here, and I was like, I'm from Florida. I cannot skate like this is <laughs> unless you want this to be a disaster. We need to find someone else. So it was just it was a funny it was a funny moment, but it was one of those things where you know no task is too small. I mean, when you're getting your start in the industry, you have to be prepared to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Um, in this case, I was not willing to put on the costume and embarrass myself on the ice, but I did a lot of other things, you know, that needed doing. And you know, the buck side that was that was that was me and my really kind of cutting my teeth as a, as a professional in the industry. I started as an entry level salesperson, um, selling, I think it was $35 season tickets per game, um, to a three and 13 ball club at the time. So not, not, not a lot of, uh, interest and, and sales was never my dream, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer. And if you can sell, you'll never starve. And so this felt like a chance for me to get my foot in the door, get some experience in the sports industry and hopefully start, start to grow my career. And, um, you know, that time was amazing. I think I, I learned some unbelievable things by being in sales one. I mean, being just how to be resilient and how to be 
tough and not give up and grind and work really hard. And in hindsight, I think it's made me a much better marketing brain. I think I think about, you know, in in theory, sales and marketing functions should work really closely together. I think in practice, sometimes they don't and they feel really disconnected. And so, you know, in, in, you know, in my life now, I think about, you know, are these, you know, are these marketing tactics, are these campaigns, are these things that are going to resonate with our audience? And does that, you know, when we build these programs and they are able to be leveraged by the sales team, do they make sense? Or is the sales team going to scoff at this and be like, this is never going to work. This is not how my people think. So I think that experience was incredibly valuable. And then, you know, we, about a year and a half into my kind of sales career at the Bucks, the, the, the team hired a new chief marketing officer, And I think I gave him a day to get settled into his new office before I went down the hall and, you know, rapped on the door and introduced myself and said, you know, hi, I'm, you know, I'm Taylor. I'm on the sales team. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Tampa native. I have, you know, marketing education and background. I think I can help you. So as you build out your team, you know, keep me in mind and my sales skills must have been good enough to convince him that this was a good idea because he hired me on as, um, the brand coordinator for the team. And so this was my first kind of introduction into the world of sport marketing and brand building. And he, um, you know, that boss later became my mentor. And that that part of my career was almost like continuing education because looking back, like I really didn't, you know, I didn't know that much. And I just, it was almost like I was learning and doing at the same time. And there was so much work to be done within the organization that I got to, I got to put on a lot of different hats. I got to really, you know, figure out what it meant to build a strong, authentic brand that wasn't contingent on wins and losses because, you know, God knows we were not winning a lot of games back then. And so it, you know, we couldn't just say, okay, well we're winning. And so that helps, you know, move the needle forward from a, from a sales and commercial perspective, you have to be more than that. And so as a marketer, we had to work really, really hard, but I just, I just, I just look back on that time, like so fondly. And so, you know, there was definitely peaks and valleys along the way, but so much fun. I think, you know, top of mind again, super young in my career. I think when I, um, my first headline that I wrote for a, an ad that was full page, full color in the newspaper, when that got published around um, the draft, I think in 2012, like that was a moment I felt like, ah, okay, I made it. Like, you know, there's, you know, there's my work front and center for, for everybody. No one knew I did it obviously, but you know, I did. And so you know, to this day, it's framed, you know, it's framed in my office. I look at it every day and it's a really good reminder of kind of where, you know, where I've, where I've been and hopefully where I still want to go. I think continuing to celebrate that success and remind yourself of how far you've come, where you came from, um, is, is a really great way to continue to have that confidence and, and pull yourself forward through your career. And, in 2016, you made a big jump. You moved into the role with Aon, where you still are today. Why did you make a jump to corporate? How did you get the offer? And what tips do you have for women who want to leave team side and go corporate? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I feel like, you know, when I left, um, I left the books, I, I, I was still loving what I was doing, but I just felt compelled to, to gain some more experience and figure out 
if brand building and if marketing outside of the world of sports was different, was it the same? Because I thought, you know, inherently, if I can build out some additional expertise, that's only going to benefit me in the long term. So, you know, if I decided I wanted to go back into sports, I would just be better for it. And it turned out to, you know, to be the case. I did um, a couple years um, really on the agency side in, you know, the work I'd done with the Bucks and the brand building. I found a passion for creative and the creative process and storytelling and content creation. So I wanted to go on to the agency side because you get to do a ton of that and you get to do a ton of that across, you know, a lot of different clients. Um, my portfolio was um, was pretty robust. I had a, a craft brewery, which was my favorite for obvious reasons. I had some hotel brands. I had a museum. And in all of those, what I what I found is you know, brand building is brand building. And if it's done in, you know, with a really sound foundation and if it's insights driven, the process is kind of the same despite, you know, whatever industry in, I mean, I think the path to get there can be different by industry, of course, but, you know, inevitably where you want to get to is pretty consistent. So I, I loved, um, I loved the agency side, but I just, I found myself missing sports. And at this point, you know, I was, I had moved from Tampa to Chicago and I was really trying to make my way back, but in a different capacity. And I was having a lot of conversations, um, with folks in the industry, just trying to, you know, exercise my network, which I think is so huge, um, in, in kind of what we do and just meeting people and having great conversations, and it was actually um, the, the the HR director at the time at the Chicago Cubs. Um, he and I were having, you know, a coffee and he just said, you know, there's obviously a, a, some amazing sports teams in the Chicago market, but you should really look at this company called Aon that we work with. They do some incredible things in the sponsorship space. And I, of course, I didn't, you know, I didn't live under a rock. I knew who Aon was through the Manchester United partnership. Pretty much everyone did. Um, so through a couple conversations, I got a chance to meet um, the then VP of marketing a couple times and a few, it took a few months really later because um, they didn't necessarily have a specific role on their team. Um, so I joined in a, in a contract capacity to just help them kind of operationalize and stand up some of the assets that they had in the Chicago market and put some frame around what they were doing. Um, and just, you know, make sure that they were being leveraged to the fullest potential and then measure, you know, the impact of some of those. So truth be told, what I thought was going to be maybe a, a short time, you know, a short term opportunity um, became what my career has grown to now some six years later, I guess. Yeah. I love that story. And I love that this is another time where you bet on yourself. You knew what you wanted and, and what you wanted to do. And you made the jump to Aon in a contractor role. And ultimately, you know, your passion for your work and the excellence that you provided paid forward for you to get the full-time job. And, you know, that's, that's where you are today. And Aon is involved in really important partnerships. And, and one of those is with the PGA and the LPGA called the Risk Reward Challenge. Will you tell us a little bit about this challenge? Yeah, happy to. So the Anders Reward Challenge is a season-long competition that runs across the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour. Um, basically, players compete on designated, we've created Anders Reward Challenge holes, which are some of the most, you know, think about some of the most strategically challenging holes in golf. Players compete on these holes. 
They kind of, you know, take their best two scores through the weekend that count towards their cumulative score. And then at the end of the regular season, the player on both the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour, whoever's at the top of the leaderboard, wins the Ann Trophy and takes home an equal $1 million prize, which is you know, such a, a point of, of pride, I think for me individually, and I think has become a real point of pride for our firm to create, you know, a global program that's really, you know, it's really equity, you know, there's a lot of equity across what we're doing from both a PGA tour and an LPGA tour perspective. And we're, we're going on, I think our, our fifth year of the program. So it's, um, it's, it's relatively new, but, um, you know, I think at this point we're, we're, we're getting to a place where we're firing on all cylinders. It's been so much fun. And how important was it for Aon to support both the PGA and LPGA? And what do you think is the future for brands working with the LPGA? I mean, I think huge, right? Like at the time we, we announced this program in, in 2018, it launched in 2019. And so at the time there wasn't, there wasn't much out there like it. I think it, you know, it was even the first program of its kind to do something like this. And so you know, for us, it's just, we talk a lot about um, living our values as a firm. And this partnership is just a really tangible way that we're doing that, you know, it, with our with our sports partnerships across the globe. And it, it just continues to reinforce, you know, our commitment to building inclusive and diverse cultures and, 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 you know, growing, hopefully growing the women's game to a more equitable place. Yeah. And it's, it's really exciting to hear you're in your fifth year. So obviously as a marketer, you know, you're measuring the outcomes, you're measuring the impact, you're questioning the alignment and you're living into your values, as you said, creating equity across these um, men's and women's sports leagues. And we love to hear it because there is a long way to go. And as we're talking here, we're entering women's history month. And so Mm -hmm. my feed is populated with really positive and really, um, I wouldn't say negative, but like we got a long way to go type of mm-hmm. type of conversation. And so I'm thrilled to be having this talk with you today and being able to tell our listeners like, Hey, you know, Aon's a company who's living into their values and supporting men's and women's sports in, in the same capacity. So talk to me a little bit about your role with Aon's Ryder cup activation. Yeah, we we look at you know our our golf portfolio obviously consists of the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour, and I think uh, in 2019 we also announced a partnership with the Ryder Cup, and we we really we leverage every tool in our toolbox to bring these partnerships to life. I mean, you name it, we you know create content for broadcast, digital, social, you know, paid media partnerships, um, earned media. The Ryder Cup is is really special because I think it's it's a very robust program, but it also, you know, there is going to be no doubt in anyone's mind when they're watching the Ryder Cup that Aon is a worldwide partner. We show up in a really really big way, whether it's through some of the compelling kind of content that we that we'll push out, you know, in the lead up to the Ryder Cup or during the Ryder Cup, well you'll see, you know, the Aon logo kind of everywhere at the event, tea boxes, you know, media backdrops. Um, we'll have uh, we'll have a, a really bespoke client hosting program that we're creating, which is multifaceted. So it's not just, you know, on the day where people are coming to golf experiences, we're creating, you know, thought leadership events around some of these activities, um, incremental kind of surprise and delight events. 
I mean, the Ryder Cup is going to be in Rome this year. So forget the Ryder Cup. Rome is is epic, you know, on its own. And then you add in, you know, one of the most iconic sporting events of all time. And it's going to be just amazing. I'm super excited about it. So, you know, my job on a day-to-day basis is to really, you know, keep keep these programs kind of moving forward on all on all different fronts. So, you know, supporting the team who's, you know, really zoomed in on events, supporting the team who's really zoomed in on the content creation. Um, I tend to lean, you know, more in the content creation and the storytelling um kind of swim lane, I guess. And so that's that's a bit my bread and butter, but um, you know, wholesale, just making sure that the partnerships are doing um, everything across the board that we're hoping that they will do. And then on the back end, obviously measuring and making sure, you know, we hit on some of our objectives and how are we packaging up this experience and 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 making sure that, you know, our leadership team and our 50,000 colleagues around the world understand the impact that we've created, um, you know, by activating something like the Ryder Cup. And then I think that the crown jewel of our, our Ryder Cup partnership is really the award that we've created. So in partnership with um, uh, the Ryder Cup team, we have the Nicholas Jacklin Award presented by Aon, which um, is the a first of its kind, you know, kind of award within the Ryder Cup program which is, which is super, super special and excited to bring that to life. This will be the second year that we'll, 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 um, we'll talk about the award kind of in some of our content creation and then bring it to life on site in September. So you've mentioned a a few things here. I want to highlight 50,000 colleagues around the world, um, an event in Rome, you're really touching on the global piece of your job. So what does it mean to be the global head of these partnerships? What does that schedule look like? What does your travel look like um, as you're leading a global team? A busy is probably <laughs> the word. I mean, I think it's it's um it's it's been an incredible journey for me. I think, you know, before a lot of my um my career and and some of the jobs that I had were were really, you know, localized. And so I had some great experience, but with with Aon, Aon is you know a, a massive global company. We operate in 120 countries around the world, and so it's just so important to make sure that our colleagues around the world and our you know our businesses around the world understand that they have a piece of these partnerships, and to make sure that they're you know they're invested. I think it's so important to to make sure that when you're running these global partnerships you know, it's, it's not just for the partners or it's not just for the team. It's, it's for the whole of your organization and the pride that it can create, you know, for, for folks on your team globally is really important. I think if you don't have that buy-in, a lot of these partnerships can be pretty short-lived, you know what I mean? A hundred or 50,000 kind of squeaky wheels does not translate to long, long standing partnerships. And so if, if colleagues are feeling great about it, if our leadership team is feeling great about it, you know, there's really no limit to what we feel like that we can do to grow these. The the experience that I've gotten working more on a global perspective, I think has been probably the most significant career development factor that I've probably had to date. I think to to get outside of your, you know, your day-to-day kind of world and to make sure that when I'm, you know, when I'm talking to colleagues in Singapore, I'm talking to colleagues in London, or I'm talking to colleagues, you know, in different parts of the United States, just so important to to take on board some of those varying perspectives and make sure that what you're building is really sound and not only makes sense from, you know, I'm sat in Golden, Colorado, but makes sense from a, you know, broader, not only North America, but makes sense from a global perspective. You certainly don't want to do things 
you know, that are going to alienate very various parts of your organization or business. And so um, it's, it can be challenging. I mean, time zones, time zones are what they are, right? Like you there's only so many hours a day. And so there's challenging parts, but gosh, the benefits just far outweigh any, you know, any of the, you know, the, the day-to-day kind of challenging stuff. If you are listening to this podcast, I know you are a busy professional. We can agree we are always looking for products that are convenient and make life easier. Mobot water bottles are one of these products. It's a water bottle and a foam roller in one. I use the water bottle at the gym, staying hydrated in boot camp and then flipping the bottle on its side at the end of class to quickly foam roll my legs. It helps with recovery and gets me back to work faster. Get yours at mobot.com and use the code leadershipisfemale, all one word, to get 15% off. Support Lonnie Cooper, the female founder of this product, and support yourself. This is a must-have wellness water bottle. At Leadership is Female, we are serious about supporting you in your career. That includes the tips to get you ahead inside your current organization or provide you with the next big opportunity in a new role. That's why we have partnered with Legacy Search, an executive recruiting firm specializing in mid to senior level executive searches across professional, collegiate, and minor league sports. Check out the openings listed at LegacySportsSearch.com or in our monthly Leadership is Female newsletter. Hint, if you have not signed up for the newsletter, head to leadershipisfemale.com. If you find a job listed at Legacy Sports Search that looks like it should be yours, email us at leadershipisfemale at gmail.com and we will introduce you directly to the opportunity. This is your career. Make the most of it. Yeah, I, I love to hear it. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about Aon and and the values and trying to represent those values through partnerships. And we touched on women's sports. So can you address the corporate boom for sponsorship in women's sports? And then also, you know, keeping in mind that the the gap really still exists between men's and women's sports. Yeah, for sure. It does. And, you know, it's not something that's going to be solved overnight. It's just not. That's the reality. I think the, 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 the frequency of these conversations is growing, which is important. And I think, but what's equally as important for me is that there's action to kind of back up these conversations. And so I think, again, you know, what we've done with, um, the and restore challenge has been, uh, hopefully a tangible kind of proof point for, you know, organizations and companies out there who are maybe looking to do something similar that, you know, to help people see, you know, in living color that you can, you know, you can build partnerships with within women's sports um, and build equitable partnerships that are really, really effective and really, really impactful. Um, and I think the, the main thing for us is that authenticity is so key. You know, if we can't really be talking about a company who wants to live its values and have, you know, a lot of focus on what we're doing to drive these narratives forward and be focused on inclusion and diversity and then not have the actions of our partnerships kind of match that. It just, I don't think you could get away with it, to be honest, in this, in this kind of day and age, which is a good thing. And I think, I think that, I think that the interest in women's sports will continue to grow. I mean, you know, the LPGA specifically, I think the accessibility that we're seeing of the tour is growing. I mean, we've got, you know, the women are playing more renowned golf courses than ever before. They've got Pebble Beach and Barchester all on their, on their schedule this year. So, 
um, you know, that's kind of amazing step forward. There's more live, you know, coverage of, of the LPGA than ever before that continues to grow. So I think that's really encouraging the, the, the number of girls that are now playing junior golf is growing. I think we're up to like 35%, which is, you know, double digit increases from where we were even, even five, five years ago. So, you know, there's growth. And I think we, we need to be, you know, mindful that let's, let's not, you know, forget the wins as they're happening along the way, like take time to celebrate those, but don't stop, you know, let's, let's continue to push the envelope. Let's continue to have these conversations and making sure that we're, we're closing the gap, you know, that, that currently exists across a couple of the different industries. Yeah. And Taylor, you have a two-year-old daughter. How has your daughter changed your views around um, your career, your life, and even thinking about women's professional sports? Dramatically. I mean, I, I, t- I have a two-year-old, you have three, you have three kids, which is, I can't even imagine, but um, I think, that, you know, I was never one of these people that knew without a doubt, I wanted to have a family. I've always been really focused on my career and my career was always really important to me. And so if I'm honest, part of me thought that having a family meant I couldn't have those other things. And so I think, you know, having Sawyer, she's changed pretty much my, my perspective on life in general, but certainly, you know, in this context, because I think what she's taught me is you can have, you can have it both. I mean, it's gosh, it is a lot of work because, you know, she's, she's wild. She's two and, and everything that that means crazy toddler time, but you know, you don't, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other, you know, you can be a parent and still have a career that you're passionate about. And so, you know, that's been kind of a realization for me. And frankly, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that she gets to grow up and see, you know, her mom doing something that she loves and doing it with passion and with vigor. And I just, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, you know, if, if she can see it, she'll know that she can be it. And so I want her to know, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that you, you can do absolutely anything that you want to do, period. Um, and so if that's working in sports or, you know, that's doing something else, you know, the, the sky's the limit. And I hope that, you know, you know, sh- her seeing me as, as a working mom will, you know, just help her understand that, that, you know, that that's the reality. Yeah. I love what you said there. This podcast was started, uh, based on a quote by Marion Wright Edelman, who said, you can't be what you can't see. Mm-hmm. And so this exists to show everyone out there what um, what you're capable of if you set your mind to it, whether that's your daughter who gets to see it, you know, every day, her mom's showing up for her job or that listener that says, wow, you know, Taylor made this pivot in her career from team side to corporate, or, you know, she built this, this career that I aspire to be. She did it. I can follow and and I can do it too. So I I absolutely love hearing you say that and living into those values, your personal values every day. And um and yeah, you can be a mom and you can be a successful career woman. Uh, that opportunity is available for for you. And you um you've had some, you know, really cool get to do moments in mm-hmm. your career. What has been um, one of the best experiences that you've had working either, you know, alongside PGA or LPGA on those partnerships with Aon? Oh, gosh. I mean, so many. I think probably the Aon Restore Challenge as a whole. I think when we were talking about doing this, 
we wanted to build the program across the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour. And there was never really a question, I think, on our side about, well, should the money be the same or should it be different? I think, you know, that this this challenge is is built on the foundation that we're rewarding smart strategic decisions, which is absolutely agnostic of gender. So why in the world would you pay people um, differently? So that wouldn't have made sense. And I think, again, for us, just really important to continue to reinforce, you know, the, what we, what we value as the firm and through these conversations, you know, having worked in sports, I knew that this was going to be really special. And I knew that this was going to be hopefully kind of a beacon for other people to see that a global company like Aon is really stepping up and supporting the growth of, of golf on the men's and the women's side. I don't know if that, if that understanding really kind of hit home with some of the, some of the other folks within our organization and some of the leaders who, ne- who weren't necessarily in sports. Like they didn't, I don't think they realized how big that this was going to be. And so I just kept saying like, this is going to be huge. This is going to be huge. You guys don't understand Like, this is going to be so great. And so, you know, there was launching this program and standing it up in, in 2019, there was so much to do and so much to build. And when you're building massive partnerships like this from the ground up, you know, there is no limit to the, to the punch list that you have on a daily basis. But for me, you know, everything I got to do and all of the activity and all of the platforms and all the content that we we were creating kind of paled in comparison to the, the, the overarching, you know, impact that this was creating. And so I think when that, when the program, we announced the program and the press release went out, it was, it was incredible. And the feedback that we were getting from, you know, colleagues around the world and, and clients and people that weren't even in the industry. I think Billie Jean King actually tweeted you know, that this was happening. Like she has no skin in the game as you think about, you know, golf, but, you know, being, um, being who she is and the position that she has, like that was huge for us. And so a really, really kind of pivotal moment, I think for me personally, and, and, and also in my career, but then, you know, I think about the Ryder Cup and Whistling Straits was my first my first Ryder Cup. So first Ryder Cup as a fan, first Ryder Cup, you know, for Aon as a, as a worldwide partner. And when I stood on the first tee, you hear about the first tee at the Ryder Cup. It was like transcendent. It was one of the coolest experiences that I have ever had in sports. And I, 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 you know, I'm fortunate. I've gotten to do a lot of really neat stuff. This was, I mean, this was really, really special. It was almost like you could feel the energy and the cheering and the, you know, you just have this tension between the teams and everything's kicking off. It was just, it was almost, it was almost unbearable. Like it was just so emotional. I was like, okay, I can't stay long. I have to, you know, go, go do some other things, but it was, it was a lot of fun and just really, really special. So I think, you know, maybe one kind of big macro, macro meaningful moment, and then one, you know, that's more top of mind. But um, yeah, there's, there's hundreds along the way, we could chat for hours about some of the some of the cooler stuff. But those two are were really kind of stuck with me. Yeah, well, and I felt I felt the emotion on both <laughs> of those and, and what those mean to your partnership to the industry and to um, your clients as well. So I, I love that. And, um, you know, I, we have to offer a couple pieces of advice on this show as well. So in your experience dealing with event activations, what are your top three pieces of advice? 
uh, write in pencil, I think is the first one. I mean, you know, events, there's just, there's change. And I think change is going to be inevitable. Um, and I think the sooner that you can accept that, the, the better off that you'll be is definitely one of them. And then I think too is, you know, control what you can control, which is kind of tied to the first. I think change is going to happen, but you know, there are things that are going to be absolutely be outside of your control. There's nothing that you can do about that, but there are things that you can control. You can control your emotions. You can control how you react to things that are coming down the pipe that you need to handle. You can control how prepared you are. I think in events, that's, that's a massive one. Um, you know, being able to be flexible, being able to to pivot when needed, when this change kind of comes through, build out, you know, your contingency plans. Okay, here's option A, this is the optimal kind of point forward, but now we have B and C just in case and having those kind of contingency plans already baked and kind of in your back pocket just alleviates um, some of the, the chaos that can ensue for some of these bigger um, events. And then I think the third one is just, you know, we, we move fast, right? And I think with some of these big, some of the big events in the industry, it's, it's so much work and it, it's taxing on your time and um, you get it done. And then sometimes we just move to the next one. And I'm a big proponent in, you know, take a minute, celebrate the wins, look at what you've accomplished and don't forget that, you know, some of these things are a, a Herculean effort. And you can't just let those moments pass you by. You have to, you have to, um, you know, pat yourself on the back, pat your team on the back, you know, do something, you know, do something special to kind of commemorate a huge milestone and a victory, you know, for, for your team before you move on and, you know, get after the next one. But I think um, probably those, there's a lot, but I think those are probably, you know, top three. I love that. And I started thinking about the wins that you have represented in your office so that you can, you know, look back on, on that first advertisement that you had published back in your Buccaneers days. And then you're still living into that celebration of your success. I mean, science tells us that the more you celebrate the success, the more your brain can recognize that mm -hmm. reward and then replicate that success in the future. So it sounds like you're absolutely nailing it with your team. Before we get into the final four questions, one more for you. Finish the sentence. When I'm not traveling, I am doing what? And um, how important is it to you to maintain your interests outside of your job and uh, in life in Golden, Colorado? When I'm not traveling for work, I am just enjoying being home. Honestly, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a homebody when I'm here, chasing my daughter around, you know, <laughs> spending time with my husband, getting outdoors. Colorado is, you know, is is known for being a place where you can, you know, there's there's all kinds of things that you can do, doing activities. So try to tap into that as much as possible. But I think, you know, doing all the things that just keep your heart full, I think is so important. And, and not to forget that, you know, I still have, um, I still have personal, personal passions that exist, believe it or not, outside of, you know, outside of work or family. And so I think it's, it's so important just to, you know, to ensure that you're, you're individually feeling good. You still have to do some things for yourself. One of those things for me is, um, I love wine education. And so I've kind of made it, um, a, a point, I guess I just got my level two, um, WSET wine certification. And so, 
you know, learning about, you know, wine and how it's made and where it grows and what it means. Like that's, that's a passion point for me. And so spending time to just make sure that I'm able to do the stuff that I love on top of, you know, doing my job and hopefully doing it well on top of, you know, being a good wife and a good mother. I think it all, it all, it, it's a puzzle. Um, and sometimes it doesn't quite fit right, but, um, you know, I think, I think it's, it's one of those things where, um, it's tough to do at times and it's tough to make the time, but so important to do so. You really pulled that thread through of education and (laughs) one of your, your hobbies and, um, something that makes you feel good is, is pursuing the hobby of learning more about wine. I love it. Uh, so final four, what is your best piece of advice for women to apply today? This very moment to level up tomorrow. Be courageous. I think what I have found is, you know, my career, the more courageous I am, the more kind of high flying I become. And I think sometimes, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Like I'm always, I want things to be perfect. And somewhere along the way, I kind of shed that mentality and it was more important to just go for it than to make sure that it was perfect. Cause I think, you know, wanting to be perfect um, can be a little bit debilitating because a lot of the times it means you're afraid to make mistakes. And so when I stopped being afraid that I was going to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, or, you know, you know, execute the wrong thing and just, you know, trust my trust, you know, trust the insights that I've gotten and also trust my gut. Um, there was a freedom in that. And it was, there was a correlation between feeling more free and performing better. So I think that that's definitely one of the things. And um, yeah, I also, one of the, one of the recommendations that I, I try to operate with, I call it a grow or go mentality. So, and that goes both ways. I mean, if you're in a position where you're not exactly where you want to be, or you're feeling, you know, stagnated, or, you know, maybe your, your hustle or your contributions aren't being recognized in your current role, like you're not a tree. I mean, you go find someone who's going to recognize your talent and, and help you grow. And I think on the flip side, you know, don't ever, don't be complacent. I think complacency can be really, really dangerous um, for women in our industry because you lose your edge. I think if you get comfortable and, you know, things are, maybe they're not great, but they're okay. Um, And I just, you know, I don't think that we can afford to lose our edge. We always have to be, to be sharp. And I think, you know, as, you know, in, in sports, it's, it's a really bright and shiny industry. And so a lot of people want to work in it. And so there are, there's always someone behind you, you know, hungry for what you have and they are courageous and they are unafraid to have a go at at what you have in your job. And so I think it's just, you know, one of those things, trust yourself and, and don't, don't be afraid, you know, be, be fearless in kind of what you're trying to accomplish. And I, I really feel like they're, that mentality opens up a lot of opportunity. Where are you traveling to next? Oh, we've got, um, I'm headed down to Florida for the Players' Championship. A couple shoots, ambassador shoots after that in Scottsdale. The first quarter tends to be really busy because for us, we capture essentially all of our content for the program in the first like two and a half months of the year. So it's really full on. Um, so we have everything ready and kind of put into pro- post-production to see and, and support us throughout the rest of the year. But then it, it kind of starts to slow down a bit. 
Yeah. And then it'll be, you know, pretty much heads down focused, focused on, you know, Ryder Cup in Rome, which is going to be super exciting. Oh, incredible. Okay. What's your pump up song? My pump up song. I, I definitely have one. So, um, it's probably not very well known. It's called All Stars featuring Alma. And it's by a French DJ, Martin Slovig. And it is one of these songs. I was actually in France when it came out. I think it was 2017. And they played it on repeat across every station. And so it was like a full week of hearing nothing but this song. But it's one of those songs that is just it's really, um, it's really, it's really light and fun and just is a feel good song. And so when you hear it, even if you challenge yourself, like not to move when it came on, you couldn't, it's one of those, like, if this song comes on, no matter what situation I'm in, this is like a must dance, must move kind of situation. And so, yeah, for big, you know, big moments or, you know, car rides on the way to, you know, meetings or things like that. This is always kind of my go-to to, to put a smile on my face, get some, you know, energy going and, and just feel good about what's ahead. We will find that and link it in the show notes. So everyone can experience that delight. And finally, what is your favorite quote? I'm a quote person. So I have a lot, but I'm also Um, I'm a big history buff, specifically kind of World War II. And so I have a, I have a Churchill quote that I absolutely love. Um, I always get it slightly wrong, but it's something to the tune of, I like things to happen. And if they're not happening, I like to make them happen. I think that has just become, um, like my, my personal kind of mantra to just, you know, we, we say it on a daily basis across the team on different calls, make it happen, make it happen, just make it happen. And it, I think it gets to, you know, um, positivity and proactivity. And it's been, I feel like in, it's applicable in any circumstance really. And so it becomes really flexible and re- really easy to apply in, in simple day-to-day things. When you said World War II, I knew Churchill was coming yeah. <laughs> and I knew I was going to love it. That is a great quote. And I think a really great summary. If we pull that quote back through this interview today and all that you've done in your career and all that is to come in the future, you know, you're making it happen for yourself, for your team, for the brands that you work with. And um, I'm just so grateful you joined us today to share your story and help to lead her forward. Thank you so much for having me. I wish we could do this every day. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, control what you can control. Change is going to happen and there are things outside of your control, but there are things that you can control, like your emotions, how you react to things that are coming down the pipe that you need to handle, and you can control how prepared you are, including contingency plans. Number two, we move fast. Take a minute to celebrate the wins and look at what you have accomplished. You can't let these moments pass you by. Do something special to celebrate a milestone and victory. Number three, do things that keep your heart full. And number four, be courageous. The more courageous you are, the more high-flying you become. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Time is your most precious resource, and it means the world that you spent it with us. Please help us reach more people who need to hear these interviews by hitting the subscribe button and the five-star rating on your iPhone. Do you know someone who could benefit from this interview? Please share it. Take a screenshot and post your Instagram stories, copy the link and share on LinkedIn, or text that link to your colleague. 
The Leadership is Female podcast exists to showcase female leadership in sports and entertainment and give you the tips to level up. We will extend a hand back to lead you forward. Extend the same hand by sharing this with someone who needs to hear it. One last thing. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Leadership is Female. Now, take this lesson and run. Let's go. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.